Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome Welcome back back to to Wisdom Wisdom Wednesdays. Wednesdays. I wonder if that sounds like an echo. Oh, I don't know, because we sound alike. I'm going to start forwarding you the email from our incredible listener that wants us to occasionally drop that this is Rosie. Oh, and this is Tessa. Okay. Yeah, we need to get in the habit of saying our names. I feel like... Occasionally. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I can tell our voices apart, but there are moments where I feel like we definitely intertwine. I mean, so, yeah. But you think? You go. You okay, go. No, that's fine. This happens. <laughs> so it's been such an incredible week. It's been such a beautiful spring. Summer is right around the corner. Oh, I cannot I wait. Do you ever see that? It's a cute little meme with this little cute toddler girl and she's like looking at her tummy with like a halter top and she's like oh my god summer is coming <laughs> no you have to send that to me oh, I, I and it's adorable and i'm just like i'm a fan i'm like girl rock that like yeah, yeah summer is coming you love every single bit of you and you wear your bikini and do your mm-hmm. thing like it is all good and I say that because it was probably a friend that sent it to me that was like oh my god summer's coming <laughs> yeah I'm a big fan of the body positivity movement I'm a big fan of loving what is I'm also a big fan of being healthy of working out you know that we love our workouts we love to utilize our bodies we love movement and I feel that there is a very beautiful, healthy balance of doing both. Yeah. Especially when it makes you feel good. You know, I know the difference between working out hard for punishment and working out hard for just feeling good. I guess there is a difference. It's a little bit more gentler to maintenance workout, just to mental health, feel good in your body, et cetera, than it is to... Yeah. Right. Well, a hundred percent. And also I feel like it's such a fine line because it's so, at least for me, it's so easy to get into the mentality of, okay, I'm going to enjoy this meal, this food, and then I'm going to go work it off. And that's to me when I've gone off that, the ledge of loving what is and yes. into got to maintain that bod, <laughs> which, <laughs> I love it. you know, I can appreciate the work and the love and the strength that comes from loving the the work that I put into yes. what I do, but also I don't need to like, it doesn't always need to be tip for tat. I don't always yes. need to enjoy French fries and then go have a workout. I can yeah, just no, no, I'll fries. tell you. Yes, I'm with you. I love me a good order of In-N-Out French fries and right. I enjoy them as often as I feel like it. You know, I know that if I do it 
too many days in a row, I start to feel it and I start to, my mood starts to shift and physically, I mean, it's feedback that you're getting. Yeah. Also, I have a marathon that I'm trying to run next year. Also, I have a wedding that's coming up and here is my self-care self-love, body acceptance journey. Hmm. I don't have any sort of goal. There is no like, oh, I want to get to this. I'm doing the shifting of my shoulders. I don't want to, I want to get to the certain weight. I want to fit into this outfit. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to buy any outfit or anything until it's close to the date because I'm not trying to buy something that's too small for me so that I can incentivize myself to fit in. Because I think that's, for me personally, I've had an eating disorder before and it's just not healthy to do. Mm, that's right? so wise. So, yeah. So yeah. It's Wisdom Wednesday. Well, yes, so. this is very appropriate. Yes. <laughs> so my <laughs> goal is to, my goal is to just be mindful about what I put into my body and just do activities that make me feel good and mm-hmm. we'll see where we end up. Yeah. <laughs> well, so did you sign up for the marathon yet? Yes, I did. Is it the LA Marathon? LA Marathon, yeah. And you wrote about this in the book, having run it multiple times. Yes. And it's this... been you've taken a bit of a break from running. Right? Long break, yes. So tell me more about like training <laughs> like, and like getting back into it. Okay. So I knew I wanted to run another marathon before mm-hmm. I turned 40, which is going to be next year. Mm-hmm. And this is supposed to be my retirement run. So I, I wanted to do a retirement run. I, I knew after my horrific experience back in 2011, I did another marathon in 2013, which was right before my 30th birthday. So it's been, it'll be 10 years since Mm -hmm. I've run a full marathon. Obviously I took some time off of running for a couple of years and then I've picked it back up in the last three years. Actually, since COVID, I really picked my passion for running back up and it was there just like it was right where I left it. It was right there and it's been really, really fun. And I was having a run a couple of weeks ago and I missed the LA Marathon this year because we had, it was actually the weekend of the World Happiness Summit. So you and I, we were in Miami. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I wouldn't be able to run it this year, but I just decided to sign up. I'm like, you know, I want to do this before I turn 40. It's so much fun to train and I enjoy the process and it really helps me have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I I started my training, which is really in advance. Normally I, I start training about eight months before, but I'm not 30 <laughs> anymore or in my 20s. So that is a complex situation that I have to deal with. I don't have a time goal, so we don't have to worry about making a time, which can I can get in my head about. Mm-hmm. But what I am really excited about and focused on is training in a very healthy, loving, nurturing, nourishing way. So we'll see, you know, I'll I'll be documenting the journey on Instagram where I love to hang out and TikTok, my new favorite, or as my dad calls it, talky (laughs) ticky. So I'll be 
documenting it on there. Please don't ask me how my father, who doesn't speak English, knows about talkie ticky. <laughs> so bless. So I'm excited. You know, that that's as much as I have. I am drinking my aminos every day and it's been helping me my Kian aminos, which I've talked about at length on the podcast. And it's really been helping me recover during these training runs that I've been doing. I've been just kind of adding a little bit of mileage. So just to be completely practical for people that don't know, I try to run three to four, do three to four runs a week, five miles each run. The end of the week, I try to increase. I have a longer run, so I might do six, seven miles. That just started a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see how it goes. You know, I've done a traditional running schedule where this is essentially the the routine that I do. And when I'm running, I do run-walk ratios. I've always ran like that. So that means I do seven to two or six, one. So that means I run for seven minutes and then I walk for two minutes. So I have a training schedule that I'm trying to stick to and I will just, let's, I'll document it so that people who are interested, maybe people who are interested in running a marathon can follow along and maybe they get to run a marathon with me. And by the way, everyone's invited. LA Marathon, mm-hmm. March, 2023. Let's do it. You're inspiring me. I think I might sign up for the Portland in October. Oh my God, let's do it. Will you do it? You want to? Yeah. No, we'll, we'll, not... we'll train together virtually. We can train. We can train together, but yeah. you, you can do it in October. I'll cheer you on. Thank you. I'll yeah. cheer you on. <laughs> That's exciting. So I'm really excited today because we have a very special guest that we both got to interview for Wisdom Wednesday, which was really fun, right? It's the first time we've done this together. We've both done this separately, but what was this like for you? Oh, it was, I got to ask all of my nerdy high-tech questions, which I always have. I'm always having this conversation with myself as I'm going through my skincare routine in particular, or when I wake up in the morning and I have some sort of reaction to a skincare something. Yes. (laughs) So it was amazing to sit at the foot of Lisa and be able to ask her all these. She's just a a wealth of knowledge. She has a wealth of knowledge. And so... Tessa already mentioned her uh, Lisa, Lisa Matam, who is the founder and creator of Sahajan. It's an evidence-based natural skincare line based in the ancient science of Ayurveda. So really excited. What a great conversation. And she really brings to the forefront of our minds the importance of self-care and self-nourishment and She talks about the connection between Ayurveda and skincare and why it's so important for us to pay attention to the products that we're putting on our most biggest organ, our skin. And I'm really excited to share this conversation with you all. Tess and I had a great time and we're excited to hear what your thoughts are. I notice as I get older, my brain function is not feeling like it used to feel in my mid-20s, even in my early 30s. And let me tell you something, brain fog is a real thing. I began noticing it a lot in the last couple of years, even during the pandy-wandy. I noticed that I had a really hard time focusing and all of the green tea and the matcha that I was drinking wasn't doing the trick. 
but thanks to First Person, I can take more of an active role in my brain's overall health. First Person supplements are made with functional mushrooms and they aim to stimulate the body's natural production of specific neurotransmitters that trigger activities like energy, mood, and sleep. First Person uses 100% grain-free organic mushrooms as well as a highly curated blend of nutraceuticals sourced from best-in-class vendors. Lately, I've been getting the best sleep score with my Aura Ring, and I have to say it's thanks to the Moonlight Supplement. It really helps me get the restorative sleep that I need. So you can start improving your brain health and cognition with First Person. Get 15% off of your order by going to getfirstperson.com and use the code LOVED. That's G-E-T-F-I-R-S-T-P-E-R-S-O-N.com and use the code LOVED for 15% off of your first order. That's getfirstperson.com and use the code LOVED. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Finally, vitamins that are real food. GEM is the first real food, whole food multivitamin. GEM Daily Essentials come in bite-sized cubes and provide a comprehensive blend of over 15 superfoods, botanicals, probiotics, vitamins, minerals, and more concentrated in one tasty bite. The Gem Bite is your first true non-synthetic multivitamin alternative featuring only plant ingredients and delivering over 15 key vitamins, minerals, and herbs for energy, mood, focus, and beauty. It's your daily nutrition all in one delicious tasty bite. Gem ingredients are designed to work together in perfect synergy. Each bite is more than the sum of its parts to help boost your mood, energy, brain function, and more. And unlike any other vitamins, there are no mega doses of synthetic fillers. Gem provides just the right amount to fill your nutrient gaps. Nothing more, nothing less. It's also backed by science. Their scientific advisory board is a mix of the brightest leaders in medical, nutritional, and holistic medicine. And now you can get 30% off of your first order when you go to dailygem.co slash loved. That's dailygem.co forward slash L-O-V-E-D to get 30% off of your first order. dailygem.co forward slash loved. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Wisdom, Wisdom Wednesday. Wednesday. I love to add that little S at the end. We really like, you know why? Because I want to make sure that it's a consistent experience for everyone. I 100% agree. And absolutely. Yeah. Consistency (laughs) is nice. (laughs) So we have have a very special guest. This is the first time Tessa and I are doing a special guest interview. So Lisa, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan. Oh, we're very excited. I know Tessa's a huge fan too. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I'm well, skincare products, I'm just all of it. Yes. She's into it. And then you add Ayurveda and I'm in love. (laughs) Oh, that's the best. (laughs) So, you know, tell it. So, I'm always such a huge fan of female entrepreneurs. Okay. Let's just get started there because. There isn't enough of us out in the world and especially creating a product that is of deep integrity and rooted in the ancient practices of Ayurveda. 
I'm so excited to talk to you. So if you don't mind just giving us a little bit of background of how you got started. Oh my gosh. Are you right? I, I can make this really long. Oh no, <laughs> just you, you do you. Like we're yeah. just here to, to listen to you. I guess, I mean, at the root of it, what's interesting is I never, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I certainly never thought I would be in the beauty industry. You know, out of school, I worked in pharmaceuticals. Like I worked in like big pharma, big biotech. I was a consultant, like super kind of like nerdy, (laughs) like all of those things. And the truth of the matter is, so I have two kids, but when I was pregnant with my second child, I came home and my daughter had gotten into my skincare and she was playing with it and she had it all over her face and her arms everywhere, like super thick (laughs) the way the kids put things on it. And I remember looking up and thinking, oh my gosh, like you're so cute. And then I remember being like, oh my gosh, that's probably like a million dollars on your face. Like, (laughs) And then also (laughs) thinking, but I remember thinking, my gosh, you have to take that off your skin. Like, I have no idea what that is going to do to your young, beautiful skin. Because previously, like when I would go into whatever, and this is a, you know, a Sephora, an Ulta, wherever it is by beauty, I would just be like anti-wrinkle, anti-fatigue, turn back the hands of time. Like, what can you do? And I never paid attention to what was on the label. And so when I said to her, like, no, 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 you've got to take this off your skin, I don't, this isn't good for you. I took her to her room. She was only almost three at the time. And I said, if you want to play with things, these are the things that you play with. And they were these little bottles that my parents had brought back from India. And they were things that they would have used on me. You know, their parents would have used on them. And it was in that moment that I thought, oh my gosh, if if what I'm putting on my skin isn't good enough for her, then it probably isn't good enough for me. Mm-hmm. And as I looked at these bottles, like if this is what I really trust and if this is what I really believed in, like why had it taken me so long to get here? Mm-hmm. And probably like a lot of people, right? Like we're always like, you know, on this journey or I was on a journey with wellness. Like I very young was introduced to yoga and, you know, like when other people were like, I mean, we still eat junk food at home, but like when other people were, doing other stuff. My dad was taking us to naturopaths and Ayurvedic practitioners and all this stuff. So it was very early on introduced to these things, but I never thought about it in practicality with my skin. And I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking like, why had I, why had I kind of walked away from this? You know, we all have these, like, especially when you, like for me, like growing up South Asian, like I used to tell my dad, like, I remember having a sleepover and saying like, no meditating, no lighting candles, just like make pancakes, like a normal dad. And now he laughs at me because he's like, who's lighting candles now? Yeah. But you know, it taken me a long time to get back here. And I kind of was thinking to myself like, oh my gosh, like we, you know, people need to go clean. They need to experience these ingredients that I grew up with, that I experienced. And so how could I bring it to them? And so that's really what started the brand. You know, we worked with two Ayurvedic doctors in India on the formulations, but I also wanted to prove to them that they would work against any conventional product, that that age-old wisdom isn't just time-tested, that it is proven. And so two of our, our hero products are the ones that sell the most, actually went through clinical studies like a conventional product would. And so it was really to show that Again, that that beauty, that ritual, that you know, these some of these ingredients are identified in the Vedic texts, like they are tried and true. And so that was that was really what sent me on the mission. Yeah. So that I mean, it was such a natural transition for you to go from growing up the way you did to mm-hmm. understanding and seeing your daughter in, you know, all these products. And so was that the catalyst that fueled you to create your own product line? Absolutely. It was really like, it was a really quick shift. Actually. I went from like, oh my gosh, we need to go clean. 
these are the ingredients I believe in. I couldn't find them anywhere. And, and, you know, we were seeing like, and I was starting to see like, this was like, again, a number of years ago. So Ayurveda wasn't as familiar as it is now, or even for those who aren't familiar with it, like we weren't drinking golden milk lattes back then, you know, doing ginger shots and all the things, you know, and so but I could see that people were, you know, even through yoga, dipping their toe into Eastern philosophy and really embracing it. And so I was like, there's not only is there something here, but like we could be this incredible kind of connection between Ayurveda and, and the beauty industry or, or just people, right? And like people who want their best skin, everything about Ayurveda supports that. And so, and to me, it's the gateway. It's the gateway to wellness and beauty. And tell us why you decided on the name of your company. Curious. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Sahajan, which is kind of a made up word, comes from the word Sahaja, which means intuitive in Uh Hindi. So it was really, you know, it was a little bit of me going back to what was intuitive for me from having this life experience of being in pharma, of, you know, doing all these other things. And then it was also like, I actually believe intuitively that we all would want to choose clean. We would all want to choose clean skincare, if I can use that word clean, but, you know, we don't have the mechanism or we don't have the proof people say like, well, it's great that it's good. It's almost like food. It's like, it's great that it good, it's good for you, but we want it to work. And it's like, yeah, like this is going to work my friends. And so it was really, it's really sort of bound around intuition. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love this so much. I didn't know that it was a made up name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, we originally had it as Sahaja and I was like, it felt incomplete. So I put an N at the end. <laughs> Sahajan. Mm-hmm. Sahajan is what I said. Sahajan. Sahajan. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. I love when you're able to just create something that really feels like it resonates in so many different ways. And uh, look, I've been a fan. I, I'm a, and I know Tessa is as well. Mm -hmm. I'm a big clean beauty fan. I've done way too much homework researching. And for those of you that are into watching documentaries, there is this one specific documentary on HBO. And now I'm like, blanking on the name, but it has to do with makeup, skincare, uh, and nail care. And basically it, for those of you who are not familiar with all the chemicals that are put into a lot of these products, it will scare you into paying more attention to what you're putting on your skin and what you're consuming. And so I've been a big fan of utilizing products that are well-sourced and and made with care. And so I, I really wanted you to speak to that a little bit. Just the, you mentioned clinical testing and I'd love for you to talk about why that's so important. For me, it was important. I think for me, it was important probably because of my science background. I had that sort of, I wanted to prove, I wanted to demonstrate. And maybe it's part of that whole, like I, I remember explaining to someone that I had this idea and they, and they were like, do you really think it'll take off? And I said, well, yeah, but you know, once we saw meditation on the front of time magazine, it was like the world accepted it because it was like a proof or it was like a validation or, you know, there was some cred behind it. And so in the same way I wanted to do that, but to your point, like, I think when we, when we think about beauty, what I love about the clean beauty space is two things. You're absolutely right. Like there are things in beauty that you wouldn't want on your skin. And I think we're only even just starting to scratch the surface, even around like forever plastics and all of these mm. things that are, that we're finding. But on top of that, what I love about the clean beauty industry is when you start putting some regulations or you start living by, whether it's 
a code of ethics or a credo, or, you know, the EU is more specific about what clean beauty looks like. And why is that? Oh, well, that's a whole other can of worms. Anyway, it, it forces a transparency and it forces you to say, okay, I can't, like, I'll give you a good example. There's two, there's two face oils that I'm thinking of. Neither of them are from Sahaj and they're both beautiful, beautiful products. And there's a beautiful ingredient called blue tansy and it's blue. Mm. And so if you look at one that you often find and is, you know, dubbed clean, it's blue. And then there's one that you wouldn't put in the clean section at a Sephora and Ulta, or you, you know, wouldn't be necessarily dubbed clean. And if you look at the back, it also has added to it, the color blue. And mm-hmm. so it starts to ask the question for me, like, what is the potency of that product? If you need to add the blue color, you yeah. know, those types of things. So it isn't even just for me that you're, yes, you're, if you're trying to like low tox your life or, you know, if you're trying to minimize and also think of like in Ayurveda, we believe like your skin is like just you are what you digest and your skin is a, a is a digestive organ, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you are what you're digesting, but on top of it is like, let's give you these beautiful plant-based ingredients that work and let's give them to you in the most beautiful formulations and in active formulations, instead of just giving them to you in small ways. So I think, you know, I think we're going to see more clean beauty brands come with clinicals to be able to say, Hey, you don't need to buy this because you're worried about, whether it's acne or, you know, dark circles under your eyes, or you just want to look like you're glowing all the time, this can deliver in the same way and and provide you with that same efficacy. And on that thread, I'm curious, Lisa, about when we're learning about ingredients that are toxic, when we're learning about ingredients that are good for us and and clean, Mm -hmm. it seems to me that it's almost like this new language we have to get used to and and learn. And I think about it similarly in terms of reading a food label. So if you turn over a box of cereal or something and you look at the nutrition contents, personally, I've gotten to the point because I've studied it so much that I know what to avoid. Like you mentioned, the colors, like yellow dyes, red dyes, all that stuff. It feels to me like there's so much misinformation out there about what we should put on our skin, what we shouldn't put on our skin, what we should ingest, what we shouldn't. Where do we start with this without feeling like we're overwhelmed? Are there, are there keywords we should avoid when we're looking at a label of skincare? Are there key things we should look for, like a, an oil base? And then from there? Question. Um, I think I would look at it from a couple of parameters. I think the one thing to think about, and I think even in the clean industry, we have to hold ourselves accountable for this because even clean doesn't in and of itself doesn't have a definition. So there's some beautiful retailers that are kind of like the industry thought leaders. Like I think of the detox market, if you're familiar with that store or Credo Beauty, they are too, like they're the OGs in clean beauty, but they're very meticulous. And so if you're shopping there, you kind of know that something's been vetted for you. Mm. But I think that, you know, the thing that you have to realize is when you're looking at the back of an ingredient list, it has to be put in its scientific name. So sometimes people will look and they'll say, well, I can't pronounce this and I can't pronounce that. Is that terrible for me? And it's like, no, you know, even coconut oil, we have to call it coconucifera. Like we have to call it by it's scientific it? name. It's scientific. Yeah. And also having come from pharma, like I'm a big believer that there's nothing worse for your skin than a poorly preserved product. And so there were a lot of people in the early days of green and clean beauty who said like, we're going to make things preservative free, or we're going to use like fermented mushrooms. And, and sometimes that works. And if we were in India and you were getting skincare from your Ayurvedic practitioner, he would, or she would be making it, you know, nice and fresh and you'd put it in your fridge and four days later, you'd go back and get it, but that's not how we live. And so- right. I think asking yourself like key questions, like there's the big ones, like are there parabens, are there sulfates, like all of those things. 
I think it's looking for, are there added colors? I think it's also looking at the problem is there is some greenwashing, but sometimes asking yourself where you're buying it is a good way to kind of help you navigate that forest. And that's why I think some of those retailers are really important. Or even if you're at a Whole Foods, you know, they're creating that landscape for you. And Mm -hmm. so it eliminates some of the confusion. But I think, you know, people always ask me like, what's your favorite site to search for ingredients? And the hard part is, is these things aren't fully regulated. As we were saying earlier, if we were in Europe, this would be a different conversation. But I think it's, it's hard as a consumer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like looking to, if you're coming to a brand like ours is like looking to see if your values align and what they stand for and they should be sharing. Like we don't have this, we don't have this, and this is, we formulated against this, you know, this philosophy. And I think if you're looking at retail, then it's like looking for those retailers that have already curated that for you. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing is you can walk into a place like that and find anything that you want. You can find, you know, anything, not just from your toothpaste to your shampoo, but, you know, you want something, you know, that you can find a body oil that's part of your self-care routine. You can find a, like, you can find all of those things. Years ago, you were left to the health food store and something that, you know, didn't make you feel good because it had a beaver or something on the front. You know, it's <laughs> those days are, those yeah, the days packaging are, was just so unattractive to a lot of, so, I know. And I remember going through that process and saying like, I want people to be proud to put this on their counter. Yeah. It's feel like beautiful. I mean, it really is luxury experience. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is, it is a challenging thing to navigate, but I would look for places that weeded out for you. And, and, that's where I think, I think those, those, some of those key retailers really make a difference. Yeah. Thank you. I love that the connection with Ayurveda and skincare, because obviously our skin is our biggest organ mm-hmm. and I'm a huge fan of Abhyanga massage. I love utilizing a skin ritual as a self-love, self-care, wind down ritual. I've talked about it before. And this is like my way of releasing the day and being able to, yeah, focus on my own self-care. You know, when I'm using my Radiance Face Serum or I'm doing some body oil, it does create that connection to your body, mind, spirit. It can really create Uh, an experience. And again, it it just goes back to really prioritizing what you're putting on your skin. And so I'd love for you to just talk about the relationship between Ayurveda and Mm self-care and maybe you can give us some tips on how to incorporate self-care into our daily routine. Oh, absolutely. So There's two big things from Ayurveda that really stand out to me. And one is that in Ayurveda, you know, sometimes I think we worry about the superficial part of beauty or the beauty industry and all of those things. But in Ayurveda, you know, one of the belief systems is that taking care of your skin, taking care of your beauty, taking care of yourself isn't actually superficial. It's actually a responsibility because that is, you think of it as like, it's the house of the soul, right? So how you adorn it, like in, in Indian culture, and I know this across many cultures, like we adorn these beautiful temples and we adorn, I was raised a Catholic, but my parents are from South India. And I remember having a friend come over and he was like, you do Catholicism, like you're a Hindu. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, there's flowers and there's like all these things hanging because we, had, we, you know, culturally we adorn, we adorn the divine. 
And that's kind of what's, you know, taking care of your beauty is it's a, it's taking care of the divine. And so one, I think we should always look at is, at is that opportunity. And I know, like, I have a, a friend who tells me like when she's doing the routines, like she talks to herself and she's like, so grateful for the day. And she, th- you know, like it's part of her, it's part of her spirituality. And the other thing, cause you talked about Abiyanga. So Abiyanga is, is self-massage with oil and you can do as short or long as you want. But in Ayurveda, it's also believed there's no greater act of self-care than anointing oneself with oils from head to toe. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful experience. My So the reason, you know, my daughter had these oils is as babies, like my parents would after, you know, would oil your body. And it's like, it's an amazing sensation for, from birth to just have, you know, the sensation of touch. And we can bring that to ourselves with oil massage. And so- I think, you know, if I were saying to someone, how can you make your skincare more like soul care or self-care? It's really like looking for intentional practices. So I've had moments where I feel like I'm in alignment and out of alignment, but when I'm, when I'm really deep into my, you know, like when I'm good and consistent with, you talked about consistency, when I'm good and consistent with my practice, it always has like a couple minutes of abhyanga, but I have my ritual body oil. And sometimes all I do is like, I take a deep breath. I might even just like apply it um, a little bit to the crown, like to around like the, the crown of my head, which is amazing because it's also, it's good for your hair. It's good. You know, it's a good way to ground and really to, and, and the belief system in Ayurveda is if you're stressed or if you have an excess of heat, which is like stress, fire, all of those things, like that's how you're going to decrease that fire. I go a little bit behind my ears and I massage around my ears, which actually the strangest thing is that if I, when I first started doing this, realized it hurt back here. Like I had tension. Do you have it? I have yeah, tension. I do. Tessa, do you? <laughs> yeah. I'm isn't doing it right like, now. We're doing exactly what she's telling us to do. I know. Like, isn't it wild to think that, like, why am I tense back here? It's like, we hold our faces and our stress so hard. And so you put a little bit of oil behind the ear. You can even like, you know, go around the ear. It's so beautiful. It's like really, really nice. I sometimes do a little bit around my joints, my knees, you know, the bottom and and before bed, the bottom of the feet is amazing. That's my routine right there. The bottoms of the feet. The bottoms of the feet. And they're like, they're everything, right? There's skincare. It's good for your skin. It's good for like, some of these things are good for lymphatic drainage. They're good to, you know, really move, you know, move around toxins in the body, but they're also like, they're an act of taking care of yourself. And we just don't do that enough. In those moments, I think is when you really start to realize like, wow, my body's incredible and I'm nurturing it. And I have this incredible ability to just like add love. So the, the my other like two senses, so the word for oil in Sanskrit is sneha. It's also the same word for as love. And oh. so that act of oiling is like an act of love. Like that's why it's the same word. And so it's like, imagine, and I know you're the channel to being radically loved. Like this is like, a, again, another opportunity to for you to also within your control, bring some love in, not depending on anybody, but yourself. Mm. So nice. I'm ready for my abhyanga. <laughs> yeah, me too. I know Tessa and I are like, oh, this is okay. so lovely. Yeah, it sounds so nice. I, I'm always so fascinated by how simple some of these techniques can create a deep level of tender love and care to ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
And yes, I love the adorning. I love the ritual. I love to be able to take those moments to really be tender with ourselves. I feel like I spent so much of my time in life in the beginning of my life in a negative cycle about my body not being right or not being good enough or not, you know, I spent so much of my time criticizing myself and being in a negative space. And as I got older, the more that I did mindfulness practices, the more that I did yoga, the more that I started to just learn different ways of connecting with myself. Now these routines, these rituals are just so exciting for me to be able to, I mean, there's no way I can give myself a massage or give myself some Abhyanga massage with these delicious oils and start to think negative about myself. I mean, it's so counterintuitive when you practice really nurturing yourself in that way. So I I love the way that you described that. I love the way that you created that connection. And I, I really hope that people listening can maybe create that ritual for themselves, whether you're male or female. I think that both, both, energies need to be nourished in that way. I'm curious too, for you as an entrepreneur, as a female entrepreneur, how do you practice self-care for yourself? It's a, you know, it's funny because it's like, we, we have the tools and sometimes we don't always practice them. It's like, we're on a mission to share them and sometimes forget them in our, in ourselves. And so it's funny. I I've started journaling again and doing, you know, writing about what I'm grateful for. And sometimes it's just my oatmeal latte and that's like enough to get me through the day. Um, but you know, how do I sell it's like self-care for me is like a, is a number of things, right? It's these, it's this truthfully. So right now I've got two kids. We, we got a COVID dog. We are renovating. So we moved in with my parents. So we're like, you know, it's like madness always in my home environment. So when I can get up early and be by myself and I like this beautiful incense and I take a few minutes, like to me, that is beautiful self-care. But I also, for people who are like, oh my gosh, like self-care can be all these other moments too. I work a lot on Sundays because I need, I need that those moments to like clear my inbox, feel like I'm organized, mm-hmm. kind of get on top of things because life feels hectic. But I always stop. I get my oil latte and I and I watch Netflix for like 20 minutes when I first get in the office because it's like, ah, this one's for me. And um, and I got caught the other day because my husband was like, we were trying to watch something on Netflix at home and you picked us off. I thought you were at the office. And I was like, oh, I've been like, they found me out. But I think it's a bit intentionally like knowing, I don't know, it's like you can't pour from an empty cup. And so we need to fill our cup. And for me, like there's moments of like Abhyanga, there's moments of like self-care, you know, there's moments of yoga or meditation that, that just like nurture me so whole. And then at the same time, like a gigantic laugh with my girlfriends or a Netflix show, you know, fills another part and is, and you need to be, and you need to be okay with that. I think sometimes, you know, we're, when we're in this world of, of spirituality, we think, oh my, it has to always be one way. It's like, no, it's about the way we fill our cups. And I actually listened to you the other day, Rosie, and, and you had talked about how, you know, it's not about rules. It's about doing things that are right for you. And I was like, I just touched my heart. Mm. Oh, that makes me so happy. And Tessa happy too. So <laughs> I have a technical, maybe kind of technical scientific question that yeah. I'm, I'm curious, since you have a pharmaceutical background, if you've heard that 
jojoba oil is closest to the molecular structure of our skin. And I'm so curious about this from the lens of Ayurveda because I know, at least from what I know of Ayurveda, that the recommended oils are the coconut oil, the sesame oil, maybe olive oil for, depending on your constitution. So I'm always curious about that. And this is kind of a two-parter. The second thing I'm curious about is around the eyes, oftentimes there's a separate product than what you might put over the whole skin of your face. It seems like the tissue around the eyes is a little bit more delicate, maybe. Mm-hmm. I know for me personally, if I put something around my eyes, I might like get a, a plugged eye duct or maybe a little rashy. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on those two things as it pertains to skincare. Great questions. Good questions. Yeah. So the skin around the eye is is much more delicate. And in this moment, I might have my number wrong, but it's something like it's 14 times thinner than the skin around the face. And so you do want to treat it differently because it is the first to show the signs of stress. Like when you, if you haven't slept, like you typically don't see it on your face, you see it on your eyes. It shows fatigue. It shows, depending on how you feel, it's the first, you know, first place to show the signs of aging. So it's a good place to be careful about what you put on your, around your eye. And the hard part is, is some people are sensitive to things and some people aren't. And so one thing to watch around your eye is fragrance. I love fragrance skincare and Ayurveda uses a lot of fragrances and uses a lot of, you know, there's, there's this self-care and spiritual moment when you're using essential oils, but around the eyes, for some people, it is very delicate. So it's something that you want to stay away from is having fragrance around the eye. Shameless Um, plug. I know that you make a radiant eye cream that is fragrance-less and vegan. Uh, yes, it is. That is, yeah, that's right. So it it's so doing something like that is is amazing. So so you, you do want to be careful around fragrance around the eye. You want to be careful. Even I know. So this is like deeper than there. There are people who would contradict this, but the science would say you want to be careful with retinol around the eye. There mm-hmm. are a lot of eye creams that have retinol. We use retinol because it helps. It's really it is a very good ingredient around your skin to help with anti aging and all of those things. But around the eye, it can call you. T- you talked about a plugged duct yeah. around the eye. Yeah. My guess is that might have been retinol, or you tend to get dry eye, or you tend to get really hard ducts. So sometimes people can feel it actually in their eye, mm-hmm. and that is often because of retinol. So that area you want to be very delicate with. You want to treat it well. One thing that I do sometimes, and we do have a beautiful eye cream, but I love just like is Ayurveda also is a big fan of ghee around the eye. So you have to be willing to smell like butter, but yeah, um, <laughs> if you don't like smelling like butter, it's like a really nice before you go to bed, like throw some ghee and, and you know that because often what makes our eyes look tired is that they're dry. Mm. And so the ghee is going to be this amazing hydrator. It's going to create a barrier on the skin, which is often what's compromised under the eye. And so that's like a really quick, like if you're like DIY, go under your kitchen sink and there you've got like a homemade eye cream for you. And to the second part about jojoba oil, that's a great question. So I don't want to give you the wrong answer. So I feel like I need to go away and do some research. But it's interesting because we do use jojoba oil in our ritual body oil because the way we construct, so the way we constructed our products is we would go 
And we would ask the Ayurvedic doctors, one, we wanted people to, across constitutions to be able to use it. And so we have coconut and we have sesame and we have almond. And the modern way of looking, what they told us actually in India is the modern way of looking at some of these ingredients is that your body will take in what it needs. Um, and that also yeah. we're looking to be able, to, I think they are even looking for like people to be able to come to Ayurveda. We need to make it accessible. Mm-hmm. But we did add like olive oil. We added in jojoba. And so we see these ingredients now being used in Ayurveda. And I think part of it is, is that traditionally some of those ingredients weren't available. It's like shea, like shea butter wasn't available in India a number of years ago. So it isn't part of that early understanding of Ayurveda. But now as those ingredients start to be explored, we see their use more. And so I think, you know, the real thing, if you're deciding to use an oil on your body is like, picking, you know, if, if you pick a coconut or you pick a jojoba, you know, one of the things that I really likes is something that's in, it's infused with a little bit of an herb as well, because we talk about it as digestion. We talk about it as nourishing. We talk about it as having these other properties. So even I know people who will steep their, you know, they'll take their oil and they'll actually put in herbs themselves. And so it's a great way again, to do something that's nourishing and beautiful. Mm. Oh, I love that so much. I can keep talking to you. We can keep talking to you forever, but I want to be respectful of your time. And I do want to ask you one final question. And as I said earlier, I'm always so inspired by women who have the audacity to just create something out of just pure determination and love and passion and I am always just left so inspired. So thank you for being that conduit for us. Where can people go for more information? Yes. So if you want to know more about the brand, um, you can always check us out online. So sahajan.com. So S-A-H-A-J-A-N.com. And, you know, my... I would love for people to come check out the skincare, but one of the things, you know, early on when it was just me and, you know, someone told me I need to write the values of the brand down. And so I did. And I was like, you know, one of the things I think the beauty industry doesn't do well enough is support people along their journey to to wellness, right? I think sometimes it's always like, you look tired here, have this, you look wrinkled, have this, you know? And so, you know, my hope is even if people just want to join like our community and, you know, we send out newsletters about Ayurveda, we send out recipes, like it's really about, we want to be that, we want to be the people bringing Ayurveda and the lifestyle and the, the alignment that comes with it. And so, yeah, I would love for people to come find us. Oh, that's amazing. So we'll put all, we'll put that link in the show notes. So if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description below. If you're listening to this, wherever you get your podcasts, the info will be there. We'll add that. And the final question, and normally it's, you know, we kind of pick and choose whenever we do these Wisdom Wednesday podcasts. We might have a guest sometimes. We're kind of just trying different formats. But I really wanted to ask you the question that I ask all of my guests because I'm curious to see what your answer would be. And the question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? Oh, it's such a good question. How do I feel radically loved? I would say, you know, I I thought about this just recently, but like my, my best love is just from people, right? So I was blessed to amazing parents and I have beautiful kids. And I think, I think that being surrounded, I think people bring this incredible energy. And when you're, they're the ones who bring, I think the ultimate love into my world, like my family, my friends, that's, that's how I, that's how I know I'm loved. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. We loved chatting with you. Tessa and I both are just uh, so honored and we're so excited to be a part of your community and have you be a part of ours. So thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. We hope thank you all you, enjoyed this episode of Wisdom Wednesday. <laughs> she said the S at the end. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Share this with somebody who you think would gain value from listening to this conversation. And if you liked this, don't forget to leave a review. Sending you all love. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com. <laughs>